All right, how's everybody doing? Awesome. Hey, this is exciting. This is Thrive Church, so I don't expect anything less from you guys in All In, right? We're here to thrive, not to survive. We're excited to be here. Uh, it's been a crazy weekend. Uh, Friday, I had a leadership training with our life group leaders over at Fellowship, and uh, just things are going really well there, and that was a big event for me. And then uh, I unplanned, but yesterday my... Uh, we had my grandmother's funeral, and so uh, they asked me to speak at my grandma's funeral. That was uh, interesting, and it was sad, and it was a tough day, but, you know, God blessed and helped, and uh, it was nice to see my family, and I'm just glad that my grandma, you know, when you come to a time like that, it's nice to know that somebody has a testimony that they knew who Jesus was, and that she was saved. She knew him as her, as her Savior, and so, man, what a confidence when you face death, right? And so did that. And then uh, today I get to be at Thrive Church. It's great. It's so cool. So y'all are going through this uh, series in the parables. I get to share with you one of the parables. So go ahead and turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 in verse 13. I'm going to get used to this little, um, little baby podium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Dave's size podium. Listen, <laughs> this is great. Uh, have you guys ever asked a stupid question before? Or, all right, you know, when you're like in a group of people and you're trying to get their feedback, you always say like, listen, there's no stupid questions. But we all know when we sit in the room and we listen to people that make comments or ask questions that there are sometimes stupid questions that people ask. And, uh, you know, but what we're saying is like, hey, it's okay We'll overlook your stupid questions, and we'll still love you anyways. Um, I, I remember, uh, in thinking back about my, my grandma and my grandpa, I remember when I was a little kid, I was, at my, um, I was with my grandpa at one of their relatives' house in West Virginia. They're from West Virginia. Any people in here from West Virginia? Hey, that's great, I think. I'm not sure, uh, but congratulations. You're, you, this story might you know, ring a bell with you. But we were visiting family in West Virginia, and I remember, I don't know what I was thinking, uh, but my grandpa was there. I must have just been a brat, but I remember I never forgot the lesson I learned. I, I was there. My grandpa, he was in the middle of a conversation. I was a kid. Now, who has kids in here, okay? Who has kids that can walk and talk in here? Okay, some of you don't yet. Okay, um, so when you're in an adult conversation, you know it's one of those. This is an A and B conversation, so see your way out of it, right? The kids need to like respect that, right? And I don't know what I was thinking, but I remember for some reason I asked my grandpa for money. I said, Grandpa, can I? I don't know if we were going somewhere. All I remember is after that conversation, like he tore me apart, like not like physically, but he like told me how foolish I was and how dumb I was. And like, like I, I love my grandpa, but I was dumb. Like, I, what am I doing asking for money? I just remember like that was an out of place question, right? Um, have you ever done that before? Like you, you said something and it was like, oh, that probably wasn't the best time, the best place. I really didn't ask the right person there. So that's kind of where we come to in Luke chapter 12. Uh, we come to this, uh, Jesus is like in the middle of teaching and uh, 
somebody's going to ask Jesus a question. All right, let's, let's see what he says. I'm going to read the passage, Luke uh, 12, verses 13 through 21. And then I, I want to point out some things today, and um, we'll, we'll do this. Uh, let's, let's read this. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And one of the company said unto him. So there's this guy in the crowd, okay? Uh, It doesn't say if he's one of the disciples. We don't really know what guy this is. But he says, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Okay. Um, When somebody's passing away, a lot of times, you know, there's life insurance. There might be some money, some, some possessions, and some things like that. And this guy thought it, in the time where Jesus was teaching, it would be a good idea. I feel like I want to be closer to you guys. I'm going to move up here. Um, it would be a good idea to ask Jesus, like, for help. So for some reason, he, he was fearing or he wanted, like, this inheritance that he knew his brother was getting, but, but he wasn't going to get it. He was afraid of that. And so he goes to Jesus I don't think it was the right timing because you're going to see kind of what Jesus says here. He comes and says, Jesus, Jesus, hey, can you get involved in my situation here for a second? Um, My brother won't give me my part of the inheritance or the part that I think is mine or the part that I want. So it's interesting. What is Jesus going to say? And this is uh, where we get into this this parable here in a moment. Uh, Verse 14, and he said unto him, man... I don't know if he said it quite like that. Man. I I say man a lot. Man. Hey, man. I don't think Jesus said it like that. Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And Jesus gets in. He's like, this isn't my part. This is not what I'm here for. Like, you have this care about this inheritance. I'm not your judge. I'm not the one who who does this in your life. And he said unto them. So he's going to use this man as an illustration. Okay. He says, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth this guy asked jesus jesus there's a bunch of stuff i want that my brother has can you tell him to give it to me and jesus is like listen uh i'm not that's not my job you just sit there and then he like addresses the crowd and uses him as an example it seems like Uh, beware of covetousness I'm going to continue reading. Here's the parable for today. Verse 16, he spake a parable unto them. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater And there will I bestow all my fruits and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds like an interesting situation, right? Starts telling about this farmer guy. Sounds like he's got it going on, right? He's got plenty of stuff, growing lots of things. I'm just going to... I don't have room to put all my stuff, all my possessions. So I'm going to tear down my barns, build bigger barns, and just enjoy life. Verse 20, this parable takes a turn. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose things, uh, then whose 
shall those things be which thou hast provided. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would help us to understand this parable, that you teach us something today. God, that this lesson that you felt it was important to include in your word, this story that you were teaching these people then, Lord, I pray you teach it to us now. Help us to understand the meaning behind it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So he teaches this parable. And uh, how many parables have you had? Is this? Am I kicking this off? This is the third one. Okay, I'm not kicking this off. Good. Um, uh, so a parable is a, a story. But it has a meaning. It's something that we can relate to. It's an earthly story, but Jesus is like really trying to get a message across. You know, it helps us understand what's going on here. And so he tells this story, and uh, we call this the parable of the rich fool. And uh, it all started with a stupid question. In my mind, it was kind of a silly thing to ask, right? And Jesus seems to put him in, in his place and says, beware of covetousness, right? Um, you know, this guy had some concerns. He had some things that were on his mind. This was important to him, you know. Um, there are oftentimes we get things on our minds that are really important to us. Uh, something we're going after. Something we want. Uh, something we really, really, really want to have. Um, I have this issue sometimes. Maybe some men in here also have this issue. There's just sometimes you get a little obsessed about something you want. Anybody ever do that? Come on. Help me out here. I do that. You just want it. And so you like pour over YouTube video after YouTube video after YouTube video of what it is that you want. And you figure out, even though you've done a budget before, you say like, I have, must have missed some money in that budget. And how can I rearrange this thing in my life? And maybe I'll get a second job and maybe I'll sell this or do. And we figure out because we just want something a lot, okay? Anybody in here like, you just, when you want something, you know you want it, you know what you want. Uh, this is this guy. Uh, this guy, he says, I want this inheritance. And Jesus says, I, I'm not a judge or divider over you. And he says something important. Take heed and beware of covetousness. Uh, Jesus didn't jump at the opportunity to help this man get a portion of their family's inheritance. Instead, he had something that he felt was more important to say to him. He says, take heed, means see this, discern this clearly. There's something Jesus says he wants us to listen to and pay attention to and, and learn. He says, beware of covetousness. That's uh, one of those old words, but we all know it. We all know it really, really well. Covetousness can be defined as this, an out-of-control desire to have something we think is good. It's not bad to want something. It's not something. It's not bad to want an inheritance. But many times we have this issue called covetousness, and that's what this whole parable is about. It's a desire which could be okay, but it's out of control. Okay, it's uh, out of order, out of priority. And he says, "Beware of covetousness. Why? Why? Why be careful about this thing?" It says, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Uh, my first point today is simply this, is that God's priorities are much different from ours. God's priorities are much different from ours. And a lot of times we just need to pause, take a step back, and 
stop pursuing what we want and ask God what he wants for us, right? Uh, he says, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he, possess, which he possesseth. That's a fun word to say. Uh, what is life all about? Well, you could probably fill in the blank with a lot of things, but Jesus says, here's what life is not about. It's not about getting more stuff. Life is not about getting more stuff. Okay. Does anybody here really like stuff? You like stuff? We're humans. We're so blessed. Actually, we're probably spoiled is what we are because um, they used to like not have time to think about stuff. You had like work to do. Okay. Now we have like time and we, we look at stuff on Amazon for fun. Like it's entertainment. We just scroll through Amazon. And then when we're done with that or when we're watching our YouTube videos about what we want to buy, then they're advertising to us on the YouTube videos from Amazon. It's crazy. Um, but like we have this problem with stuff, but life is not about getting more stuff. Uh, God has different priorities for us than that. It's, it's not, life does not consist. Life is not made up of the accumulation of your things, your stuff. Jesus in this passage defines the human condition. And it's the fact that we are never satisfied. We're not satisfied. Um, when is enough enough? If you don't have a job, what do you need? What, what do you just really want? What do you crave? What do you need to get satisfied? If you don't have a job. Let's say you're out of work right now. Like anywhere. Like let's say you're out of work and like you have the mortgage is due or the rent is due. What, how are you feeling? What do you want right then? What do you, what do you need? Anything. I need a job. Just give me a J-O-B. Anything. Put me in. Give me work. Please pay me something, right? Need a job. Okay, let's say you get a job and you make $10 an hour, okay? I don't even know. What can you buy for $10? Not a lot these days, but you make $10 every hour, okay? Um, That's still higher than minimum wage right now, I think, right? So let's say you make $10 an hour. How are you feeling inside? What are you really concerned about? With your work. I want more money. Why don't I make $12 an hour? Wait a second. They're talking in uh, these other places about $15 an hour minimum wage. I should get $15. I I only make $10, right? We want $15 an hour. We always want a little bit more. What happens when you end up making $40,000 a year? Maybe some of you thought that's a lot of money. And when you get to the point where you make $40,000 a year, what do you want to make? 60. Oh, I thought you were going to say 50, but 60. Yeah, that sounds great. $60,000. But the thing is the people that make $60,000, you know what they want? They want to make $70,000. And they say, I just wish I could hit a hundred. If only just think of the things we could do if I had a hundred thousand dollars a year and the people that make a hundred thousand dollars a year, what do they think? He's a big thinker, a million. Listen, uh, Jesus says, take heed, pay attention, beware of covetousness. I just, I want to encourage you that we all need to be aware that there is this thing called covetousness, that our desires can get out of control. They can get out of, out of control. We just want and want and want. And you need to be aware. That's a problem. That's a sinful problem we all have is we have this desire uh, to have something we think is good. And that desire is out of control. Okay. Uh, Jesus says, be careful about wanting more. Life is not about uh, abundance of the things which you possess. It's not about buying more, having more, getting more, accumulating more. And he thought it was so important to say this. 
He didn't just say this phrase. I mean, this would be a great verse all by itself, but he told a parable. Uh, and now it's famous, right? The parable of the, um, the rich fool. And he goes into the passage. So look uh, back in verse 16. He begins to teach this parable. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Uh, and he thought within himself. He had a lot of time on his hands. Now he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? You know, he's dreaming a little bit. Dream big, right? Uh, you know, he should dream big. What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. He's like, I have, I have these big barns and they're already full. It's like having a house. It's a huge house. You have extra bedrooms and it's full of furniture. And you're like, what? I got all the, what, what, I, all the stuff I'm buying. I can't put anywhere. My garage is full. You know, whatever. He says, what do I do? Where do I put all this stuff? And he said, verse 18, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. He's like, I know I'm going to do all my stuff. I'm going to make a bigger place for it. I'm just going to store it. And, and I'm going to keep it. And uh, I will say to my soul, soul, it's, it's interesting how he just talks to himself. Um, we all talk to ourselves sometimes, right? Uh, we, we talk to ourselves, and then we, we try to convince other people of the things that we talk to ourselves about, right? If we want stuff, that's what we do. Um, so we say to our, he said to himself, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. You've been working hard. You've done a really good job. Take thine ease. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Eat. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Drink. Mm. I don't know what he's drinking, but he says, and be merry. Listen. He is ready just to take it easy. His retirement years. He's done all this stuff. He's made lots of money. This guy in the parable seemingly was doing really, really well. He was financially secure. He was entrepreneurial. He owned property. His business was prospering. He seemingly lived a good life. But here's my second point. Having lots of stuff does not mean we're doing it right. Having lots of stuff does not mean we're doing it right. Physical blessings and possessions are not a good indicator of actual success in life. Okay, um, Just because you drive a nice car, maybe you have the iPhone 13, uh, and you're running the new beta version of iOS 16, right? I think you guys are anybody into that? No? Okay, it's cool. Um, or whatever. Uh, whatever you have, those possessions, that's not the definition of success that God has. Okay, um, I, I want to encourage you. This is Thrive Church. Okay, A church is a called out people. You're called out of the world's way of thinking, out of the world's system, out of the way that they do things. All right, You have to think different. You have to live different. And Jesus says, be really careful. Beware of covetousness because your life is about more than what you possess. Um, and as a church, like this is something you're not only meant to learn yourself, but this is a message we need to carry out as well and to other people. Um, you know, we, this, this church, uh, look at this facility, you know, look at, look at where you're at. This church is located in the heart of uh, like rich part of Columbus. We all know that. Uh, this is a, a wealthy part. And you know what? God's not saying in this passage, it's bad for people to be wealthy. He never said that. He said, beware of covetousness and out of control desire to have something that could be good. 
but this guy here, uh, he had lots of stuff. And seemingly, it would look like, wow. You, know, you start off the parable, and you're like, oh, cool. This guy's doing great. Ah, eat, drink, and be merry. Man, send me on a trip. Let me sit back and relax. That sounds great. You know, these are all good things. Is it possible to have everything but have nothing that really matters? This man was self-centered, and it showed up in his life, okay? Uh, He was consumed with accumulation for personal pleasure. When making decisions about his finances and his goals in life, he consulted himself, and he didn't consult God. He was caught in this trap of getting something bigger and better. We, we hear this story of him, and then in verse 20, the, the, Jesus was teaching. He said, but God said unto him, thou fool. Man, talk about like popping the balloon, you know, being, you know, deflating somebody. This guy was so amped up on what he had. He was like, oh, this is great. I'm doing so good. And uh, God says, you're a fool. You have all this stuff, but you got nothing. He was caught in where he had lived. And uh, the sad thing is, God said, thou fool. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to give you five more years to straighten things out, to live life for things that matter. He said, this, he said thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Wow. This night shall thy soul be required of thee, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Saying, listen, uh, all that stuff you have uh, means nothing. Uh, And it's all going to go to somebody else. I I want you, I want to continue down in the passage. Uh, I want to skip verse 21 for a second. Um, In Luke 12 and verse 22 he, he gives this parable and then he continues to teach. He continues to explain what it should be like for somebody that follows Christ, that follows his teaching to think about stuff and our possessions. In, in, in Luke 12, 22, he said unto his disciples, Therefore, I say unto you, he's, I, I just told you to beware of covetousness. I told you about this fool who, who is dying. His stuff's going to somebody else and he's rich toward himself. He's not rich toward God. Uh, and therefore, I'm going to tell you some things. He says, take no thought for your life. And he continues. Jesus doesn't stop. He doesn't say like, hey, don't worry about anything. You know, don't worry about life. Like, don't, don't think about stuff. He says, take no thought for your life what you shall eat. Neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. He's talking about possessions and accumulation of things again. Say, consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? I mean, if you think really hard, can you make yourself taller? No, you can't. If you then uh, be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies of the... The lilies, how they grow. They toil not. They don't work. They spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these, one of the richest kings. 
If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather... Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Listen to this extreme teaching we would probably think today. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that faileth not. Where no thief approacheth, nor neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He teaches us that having stuff does not mean that we're doing it right. That there's a different value system. He even says, go as far as, hey, don't worry. Everyone in the world is concerned about how do I get and how do I provide and how do I make it? How do I get bigger and better and accumulate stuff and Jesus just pauses and he, this is so countercultural. And this is countercultural to like modern Christianity. <laughs> he says, listen, uh, stop worrying so much and, and about providing for yourself and about what you shall put on and all of this stuff. It's, it's physical possessions. Don't worry about that. He says, here's what you should be worrying about instead. He says in verse 31, seek ye. The kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. We think about his stuff first, and then all those things that we need fall into place. Here's my third point, is that you can choose to gain heavenly riches and avoid being caught as a fool. Man, um, I don't like to think about death. I really don't like to think about death. I, I, it's a, I want you to choose my words wisely. I say it's scary, but it's not necessarily scary if you have a confidence and a peace in your heart that you know Christ. But to think that this man got to the end of his life, he lived every single day, thought about all the things he thought about, he was as successful as he was, and he got to the end. And God said, you're a fool. Because, in verse 21... The Bible says, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Um, What does it mean to be rich toward God? Being rich toward God requires us that we change our value system. We change. The Bible, uh, the, the way that God changes us in general as he transforms us, the Bible says, by the renewing of our mind. We're living a certain way. We're thinking a certain way. We're doing a certain way. Maybe like this rich man. Maybe we're covetous. And God puts some new information in our brain. And it makes its way down to our heart and we change. It transforms us. And we, if we're going to be rich toward God, it's a transformation of our value system. How we think about the things we value. Um, if we're not wise, it is possible for us to live an entire lifetime... And everything we've built will be lost. Verse 20, 
It's interesting. He tells this man, then whose whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? What a, a slap in the face to this guy that spent his whole life and he all he's concerned about is building bigger barns. He said, listen, you didn't think about this. You didn't consider this, but everything that you've worked so hard for, it's going to be somebody else's. Um, you know, my, my grandmother passed away and uh, we were talking yesterday uh, at the meal afterwards. You know, her house that they built, I think they bought their house for like $13,000. I remember them telling me like so far, so long ago, they're the ancient of days, old, older than I am. They seem so old. I mean, could you imagine buying a house brand new for $13,000? Uh, they bought this house. They worked their whole life. They built this home. Um, but the truth is, the, the reality of life is that none of this stuff, not a house, not a car, not an iPhone, not anything that you're wanting to buy will be yours forever. It will all go to somebody else or to the trash can or on uh, Facebook Marketplace or whatever. So in, if you leave it to your kids, they're probably not going to value it as much as you did, and they may give it away. Um, then who shall those things be that thou hast provided? All the stuff we have one day will go to someone else. And I thought, I thought that was just interesting to think that even now, like my, my grandma has passed away, like there is someone else living in her house that we don't know. We, I mean, they they sold her house. It's gone. And... Uh, Think of all those memories, all the times, all the stuff you spend. Like, the possessions are only temporary. We've got to realize that. Possessions are only temporary. That is a value change that Christians need to have. Possessions are temporary. What is being rich toward God, and how do we do this? Because I, I don't want to read this parable. Uh, the, Jesus, he tells a parable in the, the final line. Uh, so a fool, a foolish person is, is the person that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So I say, well, I don't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want that. So how do we be rich toward God? Number one is we value God and your relationship with him above all things. He said in verse 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. The, the, the very way you change your value system is you say, there's nothing more valuable than God and my relationship with Him. That's my primary value, okay? There's no other thing that's more valuable, no other possession, no other person, no other thing in my life. And so when we get that right, that is the first thing that starts everything else right. Um, I had been reading this book called Atomic Habits, and it's like uh, the concept is like there's sometimes in life there's this one thing that if you implement this one thing, Everything else kind of makes, becomes easier and it falls into place. That's the idea. This is like the atomic value, okay? It's like this one main thing that if you, it's like he's, he, and the thing is, Jesus, uh, you know, oftentimes we'll write out our prayers. We have God, family, others, career, and we'll like one through ten these things. Well, there's no one through ten list. There's one list. There's one. There's only one. He only gives us one priority and it's him and it's his priority. Value God in your relationship with Him above all things. Number two, how do, we re, how do we be rich toward God? Is we spend the resources we have investing in heavenly treasures. Uh, we, we got down in the passage, and he starts telling them, like, stop worrying about yourself. He says, sell what you have. Man, if he's tell, he is so important for Jesus to correct these people. He told them, beware of covetousness. Clearly, this guy was like, I want some possessions. Like, give me this inheritance. 
He said, you know what? You're going to ask me for something and stuff. You're, you want this stuff. I'm going to challenge you. Why don't you sell your stuff? Give some offerings. Give your stuff away for someone else. That's, you say, how do you be rich toward God? Well, um, you either have to choose selfishness or selflessness, right? You have to choose between yourself and others. So spend your resources. Spend your money. Spend your time. Spend your time investing in heavenly treasures. Uh, the work of the ministry. Uh, spend, uh, tithe. Give to Thrive Church. Helping others. Uh, help people with your time and your efforts and your energy. Spend your time building the kingdom of God and investing in relationships with the people in your life. Uh, so number one, we value God. That's how we be rich to God. We value Him most of all, above all other things. Number two, we spend our resources investing in heavenly treasures. And then number three is simply we think carefully about how we spend our life. Uh, he was so clear to teach this principle that you could live your whole life every single day and miss it. Like, but you don't have to, okay? You don't have to miss it. You can live for what matters. Ask, your, ask yourself, Am I using my time for His glory? Or am I using my time for what I think is important? You know? Am I pursuing my goals for God or for myself? <clears throat> now, we, uh, we have a great ability to deceive ourselves even sometimes. We'll say, I'm doing this for God. Uh, well, only you know, because you know, like this guy, he looked good on the outside. Only you know your motive behind what you're doing, whether you're doing it for yourself or for God. Ask yourself, am I living for what matters in eternity? Ask yourself this, whose barns are you filling? You know, he, he says, this guy is like, I, I got all this stuff and what am I going to do? Well, he's going to keep it for himself. He's going to build bigger barns for himself, you know? I'm going to fill up my own barns. God has some barns. Uh, he has some things he wants you to invest in. There was an author and speaker that I admire. His name is Mark Cahill. Uh, he's getting older now, but uh, he said something in a book that I, I've never forgotten. He says, if it doesn't matter on the day you die, it doesn't matter. That's interesting. That's like a black and white. I'm kind of a black and white person. If it doesn't matter on the day you die, it doesn't matter. So what matters on the day you die? Relationships. What about those relationships matter? Really answering the question, well, who's in heaven and who's in hell? Because, you know, uh, you know, 100 seconds after you die, it's not going to matter what kind of car you had, what kind of house you had, how cool your kitchen was. Uh, it's not going to matter uh, what phone you use. Those things really are going to come really clear into perspective after we die. This earth, though, we have trouble with this covetousness thing, this wanting stuff thing, this values that we have. Um, uh, so I spoke at my grandma's funeral yesterday, and um, funerals give you a perspective on life that you just don't get in other places. You know, the Bible even says, like, it's good for you to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. Um, that's kind of a lot of our problems today is we all like to uh, avoid funerals and go to parties or we don't have a good time. We want to entertain ourselves and ignore the realities of life, right? Uh, but I, I read a poem yesterday, and if you're my friend on Facebook, I, I post it on Facebook as well. Uh, it's called The Dash. I want to read it to you because I think it applies to the message here. 
It says, I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted, first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between the years. Um, This is a tough poem. Uh, For the dash represents all the time that they spent life on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, and the cash. What matters is how we live in love and how we spend our dash. Man. Uh, So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel, be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives. Man, this is a tough one. Like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they said about how you spent your dash? And um, that's a good summation. You know, that's uh, not a scripture right there, but man, there's a lot of good stuff in there. How are you spending your dash? This man, the rich fool, Spent his dash accumulating stuff, right? He wanted it all for himself. Jesus paints a totally different picture and asks us to change our values. God's priorities are much different from ours. Having lots of stuff does not mean you're doing it right. And you can choose to gain heavenly riches and you can avoid being caught as a fool, right? (laughs) Not one of us in here wants to be like that guy. When, uh, when we meet God, we don't want to be like, oh no, what did I do? 